that far, though. Ooh, that's working. Um, I asked Trevor to leave, leave that song up that we sang because I want my wife to put it up on the screen. So we opened that up already, but I don't know if it's still there or not. Because it's very fitting for this morning. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You spread his love to everyone, you want to pass it on. Next slide. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You want to sing, it's fresh like spring, you want to pass it on. Next one. I'll shout it from the mountaintops, I want the world to know. The Lord of love has come to me, I want to pass it on. Father, Dan has been addressing the last couple of weeks in his study in 1 Timothy about worship. And Father, so many times we come to church and we have uh, things we want to get done, folks we want to talk to. Lord, we have schedules, we have songs. But Father, sometimes we forget to clear our plate and remember why we're here. Father, that is to worship you. And so, Father, I know uh, we can't help it in this world. We have things that can be on our mind when we come into your house. And again, not that it's this building, but it's where we choose as your family to get together. And so, Father, it's so important if we don't do it naturally on a Sunday morning. But sometimes we need a reminder to put all these things aside and focus on you. So, Father, thank you for the songs we were able to sing. Father, thank you for Matt being led to pick that song. Lord, one of the things we see in this book of Malachi is the children of Israel had forgotten the love of God. And, Lord, when we understand how much you love us, Lord, we want to pass it on. Lord, once you've experienced it, you want to shout it from the rooftops. You want to sing it. You want to go out to everyone you know and tell what an awesome thing is to have of the love, the love of the Lord in your life. And so, Father, I know some of the things that we've been talking about in this book have been rebukes by God because of their behaviors. But, Father, we look at those rebukes and we're reminded exactly what you want from us. And so, Father, I just pray that for the next few moments, Lord, we've lifted up your name in praise. We've prayed and heard from your word already in Sunday school about making sure we approach this time in our lives, especially when we come together, without any other alternative motives. Lord, with our hearts clear from anger. Lord, just lifting up holy hands without any presumptuous ideas, without trying to impress those around us but lord we are here to meet with you and so father i just pray as we look to your word here we would understand more of what you would like from us especially in regards to your love thank you in jesus name amen all right malachi chapter 2 verses 10 through 12 is we're not going very far either we've got subject we're going to deal with marriage instructions in a couple of verses and we can't kind of pile it all up today we're kind of in the same place dan was in sunday school 
a lot of stuff in just a few verses, and to try to pack it all in would be too much, so we're just going to cover two verses today. But I want to look at, and we've already kind of approached the subject last week when we were together, and that was the consequences of not keeping up the priest's covenant. Okay, remember what God said? He said, I'm going to make... I'm going to make you despised amongst the people. Uh, you might as well just smear dung on your face. Okay, so God is trying to talk about the fact that if you are going to be a priest, we have one main focus as priests, and that is, first slide. Okay, we'll get to the focus in a minute. Remember we looked at last week by way of review, the priests walk. Okay, the word of God in his mouth, teaching that it's God's absolute truth, having a peace with God in his righteousness, okay, and the goal of reaching people with the gospel and seeing their sins forgiven. That should be our daily walk in this world. Those should be things that are characteristic of our life, okay? And the priest's words, we talked about guarding God's truth, and man, we, uh, Dan was just opening up some stuff this morning about there's churches right in our community who are not preaching parts of the word of God the way it's written, okay? We have to be making sure we're guarding it when we know what the truth of God is, that we don't let some sort of social concept of it twist what God's word is actually saying, okay? We need to be seeking God's word. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth that getting into god's word takes a little effort okay meditation it takes digging in right and then the key we're supposed to be sharing the word of god and we talked about levi that he was a messenger of god that is the purpose that is why we are left here now again sometimes we get this and let me put this as a clarity we are created to glorify god yes The whole universe is created to glorify God. That will never change when we get to heaven for all eternity. We are to glorify God. But the reason that you and I are left on this planet is we are supposed to spread the message of the gospel. Okay? That is the purpose that we are still here. Wouldn't it be awesome if you asked Jesus to be your Savior and said, Thank you, Lord. Amen. Poof! We were in heaven. I would love that. Okay, get rid of this old sinful body, walk away from this crazy nut house of a planet we live on and spend the rest of eternity in perfect heaven with God. That'd be awesome. But God has chosen us to deliver his message. We're supposed to preach the gospel. Now, if you and I go to heaven, when we go to heaven, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, are we going to be preaching the gospel anymore? No, but are we going to be glorifying God? Yes, so we are created for all eternity to glorify God. But the reason that you and I are still, as believers, stuck in this old flesh is because we've got a job to do here on this planet, and that's to spread the gospel. Okay, so just those two, because you'll hear, well, we're created to to glorify God, and we're created to preach the gospel. Yes, but there's time frames and purposes for it, okay? Neither one of them clash with the other. They're both true. For the rest of eternity, I'm going to be glorifying God. But not for the rest of eternity will I be preaching the gospel. Because at some place we're going to be in perfect heaven where we no longer need to do that. Because Jesus is going to be right there in front of us. And that a great thought. Okay, so just to keep that clarity, what God is telling these Israelites who have kind of backslidden. And remember we were looking at nine different issues that God had with them. 
is that they weren't being the messenger of God's truth that Levi had been commanded to do. We had the priest's covenant, and he said, this is what you as priests should be doing, and you're not doing it. And that is to share God's truth. Okay, now with that in mind, that's, I had to say all that because we had to pick up what God's about to say. All right, so the, gospel, the goal of the, God, the a priest is to minister to God's people, and they had failed in this goal. Dan talked about this morning, and sometimes I say Dan talked about it. Actually, God talked about it. Dan just shared it. Okay, and God's going to talk about it again here. The reason, I just love it. We do not talk on the phone. Well, we do. But I don't call him and say, what are you preaching on? So I can make my message, match your message. Okay, I'll call him up and say, did you catch any fish? Okay, where are you working this week? You know, we let God handle the other part of it. And he always does. And Dan talked about this morning about the fact that we need to be careful as believers as the example that we set. Okay, we come into God's house as men to worship, we come into God's house as women to worship, and there's certain things we ought to look at in our life because it's setting an example for other believers. Okay, and that's exactly what we're looking at today. So I'll read these two, uh, three verses with you together and then we'll break them down a little bit. I don't expect to go long because we have to have a break here just where it fits. So if you go to chapter 2, look at verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do ye deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of your fathers? Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. The Lord will cut off the man that doth this, the master and the scholar out of the tabernacle of Jacob and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. So we're talking about the priest. We looked at his covenant that he made with Levi, said, here's what you should be doing. You're not. And because of that, God says a couple of things are going on. Number one is you are dealing uh, waiting for a slide to change. Okay. You have forgotten that the Father has loved you. Remember, that's the first thing we looked about. I looked out. That's the first thing we looked at. Okay? Is that you as God's people, you've forgotten the love of God. That's why that song was so great. That's how it is with God's love. Man, I picked a high song. <laughs> that's how it is with God's love. Okay? Once you've experienced, you want to pass it on. They had forgotten God's love. And the problem is, if you forget how much God loves you and what the fullness of his love, how can you possibly offer that to the, God, the people that God has given for you to minister to? Yes? Did I say that? In a, in a, uh, sometimes my Jersey voice gets going and I just roll it right out. Okay. As priests, our job is to share the word of God. Okay, and especially, and we're going to look up a couple of verses that remind us of this today, who are the ones we're supposed to be sharing the word of God with most? Now, careful, it's a true question. With God's people. Yes, we're supposed to go into the world, but here with God's folks, and we're going to look up a verse in a minute where Jesus says, especially in the household of faith. 
the number one group of people I'm supposed to minister to when it comes to the church is God's folks. Okay, and sometimes we get this backwards. Here's a commercial for you. The number one people I am supposed to minister to on this planet is my family. And sometimes pastors get that mixed up. Sometimes missionaries get that mixed up. They put their church before their family. God, that is not God's plan. The verse has always been, if you are going to unite with a wife and become one with her or husband either way as a spouse, that is your first priority on this earth. That's why Paul says, listen, if you can not do that, it's great, because then you can dedicate yourself to the Lord. But if you're going to have a spouse, you are now choosing to put that family relationship first. When you do that, second relationship on this earth is God's church. Third relationship on this church in this world is those who are outside of God's family. Okay? So again, this we got to make that clear because today's message is you have dealt treacherously with your brothers. The priests weren't doing their job and they weren't ministering to God's family. They weren't stepping up and being the example to Israel that they should have been. Okay, and that's the point. That's where God's coming down today. He's saying, um, you priests, I made a covenant with you. You're leaders. You're supposed to be sharing the word of God, and you're not doing it with God's folks. Okay, it is very important we go outside and reach with the gospel, but this is the primary place first. This is, um, what's the, uh, it's completely lost. If you had a, uh, a military installment, and this is home base, and you send troops out from there. There's a word for that. Can't think of it. Old brain. Okay. All right. But remember, that's what's happening. Are you a part of God's family is the first question. Okay? So i got to ask it. Sometimes we get into God's word and we start teaching and we're into really sharing the truth of God's word and breaking down the Greek and the Hebrew and all those things, which is great. But sometimes I just need to ask you, and I know most of you, I look at your faces, I'm familiar with you, but are you a part of God's family today? Okay, and that, don't say that just because, oh, we're all God's family, every human being on this planet. No, we're not. Okay, God has made it very clear, okay, that you have to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Not everyone is a part of God's family. Okay, so that's an important question. That's why it's important to make a distinction. If we're supposed to take care of our brothers, our sisters, the family of God first, then better make sure you're part of the family of God, right? Yes? Okay. And I could get political. No, I won't. Yes, I will. Okay. That there's a lot of folks coming into our country. Lord love them. We're, we're a country that's based upon lots of folks coming here. It's great. But you know what? When they show up, it's my responsibility to take care of my house first. Then, thank the Lord, I have opportunity to take care of others. Okay? If some kids show up at my door, poor kids, that's great. I will love them, take care of them, do the best I can. But they're not going to take precedent over my own family. Okay? That's how it is with God's family. Okay? You want to read more verses about that? Go ahead, because God says that throughout his word. Okay, that you get benefit. How many times did we talk about it when we were in Leviticus? That there are benefits being part of God's family. Okay, and part of it is because we get to be a family. I think that's awesome. All right, now, we have not all one father, or excuse me, let me try that. Have we not all one father? Hath not God made us 
one or created us. He's talking about the children of Israel. Don't we have the same father? Yes. Okay, if you are, if you are part of God's family and you've asked Jesus to be your savior, you've asked him for forgiveness, you've accepted his forgiveness, and now you are part of God's family, then we're all one in God's family, right? Man, I can go to Romans and talk about the fact that we're all members, but we're of one body and all those verses, right? Okay, he's created us to be one family. Okay, not everybody on the planet, but all believers, we have a special place. Okay, that doesn't make us elite, that just makes us having to go out and recruit more members of the family. All right, now, go on to the next slide. But as many as receive him to them gave me power. How do you become a son of God? You must receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Okay, that's one of my favorite verses. This knocks several theological debates out of the park. As many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Okay, you want the, some of the theological questions that that answers? Come see me later and I'll point you to Dan. <laughs> if you were in Sunday school, you missed that one. Okay, um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Thou now therefore... Ye are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We have something special. So that's why in this verse it says, you have dealt treacherously with your brother. Not saying you have dealt treacherously with the heathen, with other nations. They, those priests were dealing treacherously with their own family, the children of Israel. Now, that word treacherously, is it the next slide? I don't have my notes out good enough that I'm looking at it. Yes. Why do you deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenants of your fathers? So God says, I made you this covenant. I laid all this stuff out to you. And you're dealing treacherously. Now we think, I like this word, treacherously. Okay, it sounds so, like, ooh, there's so much behind it. You know, you got to pick up a uh, Daniel Steele novel and read about all the treachery. But the basis behind the words is you're covering it up. It's basically like putting a garment over it. But how many of you ever heard, we use the phrase all the time, and <coughs> if we wanted to talk politically, um, cover up. How many of you ever heard that phrase? It's a cover up, okay? Like I said, don't get me on politics. We'll never leave, Okay? That's the idea. He's saying, you as priests, you know the covenant. You know your job is to minister the word of God to God's people, but you're just covering it up. Remember, we talked last week about you are partially in the law. You're focusing on the things you want to talk about, but you're not dealing with the whole thing. God says, listen, if you're going to be priests, now backtrack as a reminder, who are priests? We all are. Okay, so whose job is it to minister the word of God? All of us. Very good. Thank you. Okay, it's not just a couple of us who get a slot to stand up here and talk. Each one of us are supposed to minister the word of God. So, are we covering it up? Or are we sharing it? Okay, the word here is cover up. Instead of ministering the word, they were covering up, they were hiding the truth. Now, we talked about this, and again, for time's sake, I didn't rewrite all the last two weeks' worth of notes, but there's a way you can cover it up. You can speak it, but if you're not living it, you're covering it up. Oh, they say one thing, but they do another. Okay, God says, 
that's treacherous, man. What are you doing to your family? What are you doing? You're hiding parts of the truth of God's word. You're living a life that's not reflecting what you're saying. You might as well walk around with stuff on your face. God says, if you're going to be priests, you're supposed to share. Don't be treacherous. <laughs> treacherous. Okay, next slide. Today, man, you hear things on the news. You look up on the internet. You get an email. You get Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is. It's hard to even know if it's true or not, isn't it? Man, I saw this thing the other day. And again, I'll just use it. This is going to try to be as apolitical as possible uh, that Joe Biden has a doppelganger that goes up and speaks for him. Because if you look at the pictures, one of his ears connected here and the other ear, it's, not, it's a fake ear. It's been doctored. Somebody messed with the photograph to make it look like his ear is different. So it's actually two different people. They found a guy that looks just like him. And he gets up and he preaches Oh, it preaches, listen, don't I wish. He gets up and he speaks, but it's two different people. Sometimes we don't even know what to believe anymore. You see these things photoshopped, you know, and somebody says, I enjoyed my uh, vacation in Hawaii, and they took it in their backyard and just post, you know, pick, you know, fiddled with the picture and it makes it look like they're on a beach in Hawaii. We're in a world now where it's hard to trust the things that we say, isn't it? We're in an information age, but what information is actually true and what's not? And there's so many people on all sides of the spectrum that will just believe anything and everything that they see and hear. That is why it is so important as Christians that we just don't speak the words, that we live the words. Don't be treacherous. Don't cover it up. If you're going to call yourself one of God's children, if you're going to wear Christian as your name, don't take it in vain. Live like you speak. Because that's the only way people are going to believe it, is when they see it actually making a change in somebody's life. I found a verse this morning in 1 Timothy. We'll be there in a couple minutes. I'm not going to steal Dan's thunder, but I want to hit it before, you know, before we're done today. All right, make sure your words match your walk. All right? This is why it is so important for us to live what we believe, and that is exactly what God is saying here. He's saying, you know the covenant, why are you dealing treacherously with your brethren? You're not walking the way you're talking. And God says, I don't like it. Okay, next slide. Next verse says, Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. So he's talking about Judah, not the person Judah, but Judah the tribe, and the things that were going on in Judah we covered this way back when. You want to go listen to the history somewhere in our recordings. But he says he's dealing treacherously. He's hiding the truth. He's not living according to what God's commandments, God's covenant says. And God calls it an abomination. Now I think that's interesting because we sometimes forget how God looks at us when we break a covenant. Now, this covenant, you would think, abomination, this must be something absolutely horrid. Okay, there must be torturing kittens or something. Okay, I could have picked something a little bit more in the news, but I figured I'd let that one go. Okay, there's a lot of things out there that make us go, ew. Okay, this word 
meaning something disgusting. Okay, now hang with that for a minute because it's not as disgusting as what your first thought might be. Okay, he says he has polluted God's holiness. God's holiness, right? Holiness, sanctification, means to, to be set apart unto God. Now, get this. If you, it, God's saying, if you're not going to be holy and set yourself apart to God, it's disgusting to me. Okay, now go back to what his example was a minute ago, which is pretty disgusting, and that's, okay, here comes the word, walking around with poop on your face. Okay, I keep saying dung, I keep saying revenue. Let's just call it what it is. That's pretty disgusting, isn't it? God says, if this is the way you're going to act, you might as well walk around that way. It's gross to me. You break my covenant, you violate it. I don't like it. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's an abomination. Why, thank you, Pastor. Always good to hear uplifting words. God reminds us we have a privilege. Don't abuse it. Live like we're supposed to. All the beautiful benefits if we would just do it. But he says, you know what? Because you're dealing treacherously, you're covering up, your walk isn't matching your words. Man, I don't like it. It makes me want to puke. Okay, right? I spew you out of my mouth if you're neither hot nor cold. Next slide. Here's Judah's problem. He married the daughter of a strange god. <gasps> what a terrible thing. Is, was that high on your list of something that was absolutely disgusting or an abomination? No. As a matter of fact, how often do we see this happening? Pretty common practice around here these days, isn't it? That a Christian who's supposed to be living like a Christ-like one, not taking his name in vain, just marries whoever they want to marry. I don't care if they're a believer in God or not. But boy, she's good looking. Boy, she wears all that fancy clothes to church. All plaited with gold. and Like we heard in Sunday school. Oh, he's so handsome. He's so strong and he's just a man's man. What is his relationship to God? Now, I put this phrase up here just to make sure we understand it because, like we covered in Sunday school, there are a lot of people who will pa- grab passages of Scripture like this and say it's about race. That you ought to, not to marry someone of a different race. That is absolutely, without a question, not the subject matter here. It does not matter if you wanted to marry someone who was Korean or someone who was Nigerian or someone who was from the Ukraine, okay? We're talking about whether or not they have a relationship and they have a belief in God, our Heavenly Father. That is the subject here, okay? And Jesus said this, right? Next next slide. Be not unequally yoked with people whose skin color is different. Wait a minute, I think I might have read that wrong. Let me try that again. Be not unequally yoked for someone whose mother language is different than yours. It says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? If you're supposed to be set apart unto God, what are you doing? What fellowship has it? What communion hath light with darkness? God says, it's an abomination. It's disgusting. You with me? Now, pastor, okay, I hear your thoughts. Not really. I have ESPN. Okay. The issue here that is, we're dealing with is not the fact that I think people in our church sitting here right now, I'm going to start looking at you and find out which one of you is married to an unbeliever. We're going to, we're going to point you out. We're going to mark, write your name in a book and then put an X through it. Okay? No. The issue here is understanding that when you break God's covenant, he hates it. And this was something so simple. Just don't marry somebody who's not a believer. Okay, now, like we did in Sunday school, and I already warned you ahead of time, we're going to talk about marriage in the next few verses, but we just don't have time to cover it all today. So God's going to deal with this and you know, fold it out a little bit more so it gives us understanding of what he's talking about here. But he's just saying, listen, you're covering up God's word. Your life is not living the example it ought to be. You're marrying people who don't even believe in God. How in the world could you do that? If you're supposed to be one who is ministering the word of God, if you're a priest, if you're supposed to be sharing the truth, why would you unite your life with somebody who doesn't even believe there's a God? You see God's point? Now my point that we can keep refreshing is, why would we do anything that would hinder us from delivering the word of God? Isn't that the foundational point? To, why would you do anything? I, uh, this is not going to go well, but I'm going to say it anyway, okay? Because some of you know my stand. I don't particularly like tattoos. I think if God wanted you to have a big mark on your body that doesn't come out, he'd have had you born with it. Okay? But, that's either there. That is a personal opinion. Okay? Do not take that as scripture. Okay? But, I was discipling a young man who said, man, I'll tell you what, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a big tattoo that says, Jesus saves, and I'm going to have John 3.16 printed on me, and I'm going to, you know, wouldn't that be great? I'll get a cross, and I'll get an empty tomb. And he's thinking about all these wonderful things he can get a tattoo. And he said, what do you think? And I'm going, oh, you don't want to know what I think. <laughs> okay, I say to my cousin all the time, is as soon as a person gets a tattoo, usually my, my, my response is, when are you getting the next one? Because usually they get it because they want to give their appearance something special, but you look at it for a couple of months and you're bored with it, so you've got to get another one. Because it's just about making you feel good. Anyway, sorry, uh, okay. personal opinion. He wanted all these amazing tattoos. And my response, and thank the Lord, this I didn't come up with this. I learned this from another man of God who taught me what the scriptural response should be. And that is, if you really think that that is going to help you to spread the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then go ahead. That was my response. And you know what? He never got them. Because stuff like that doesn't, isn't effective. Your life matching your words is what is effective. I'm like, dude, if you wanted something that says Jesus saves, wear a t-shirt. Get a hat. 
How many of us have shirts like that? And how much have they actually helped us to win people to Christ? They may stir up a conversation, but I'll tell you what, if you have a shirt that says Jesus saves, but you're cussing like a sailor, that shirt doesn't do you much good, does it? Okay, that's why, and I shouldn't do, say this because you're going to think ill of me. <sighs> I don't have bumper stickers on my car that says Jesus this and that and the other. You know why? Because one day I might not be driving the way I ought to be. I know, I told you, you think ill of me. I, I get irritated at other drivers. I do. Okay? And some of you do too. Now, thankfully, I don't wave at them in certain ways. But uh, if, if you're going to drive like a moron on the highway, I might just make it clear to you in other ways. Okay? If you are one of those guys who parks in the left lane and will not move, you're not going to see my front uh, license plate because I'm going to be right up on you and telling you to get out of the way. Okay? But there's parts of me that go, you know what? If I have a bumper sticker that says Jesus saves on my car, that is not a great testimony. Now, you'll notice my license plate says Fishers. I don't care what you think of me. But I've always hesitated on putting something on my car because I want to make sure I represent Christ the right way. Too often, we think that little cute phrases on T-shirts or tattoos or bumper stickers is going to help us to spread the message. The best way to spread the message is live a changed life. Let your words match your walk. That's what God's saying here. He says, listen, you don't understand. You guys are dealing treacherously. You know what the covenant is. You know what my truth is, but you're not representing that to your brothers in Christ. Israel at the time, but the picture is those who are believers in God. Is that how we're living our lives? Okay, next one. When you break the priest's covenant, it hurts God's people because you are a bad example. We just talked to this, this, and I wish I could have a... Sometimes I, wish, I just want to record Dan on a little recorder so I can replay something he said. Okay, because it, it comes out so eloquently sometimes. But the... The quote was similar to, if that kind of attitude enters into a worship service for God, it usually spreads. If you're going to deal treacherously and live a life a certain way, representing God, usually it spreads. And most often and not, sometimes it works the other way, but most often people sink to the lower standard rather than raising to the higher standard. You live the high standard as an example, yes, you will draw people up, but I'll tell you what, you live the lower standard and everybody drops quick. This example. Why? Because our flesh wants to do as little as possible for God. He says, this is an example. Guys, you know what Judah did. And in the next verses, next time we're together, we're going to talk, see how Judah's marrying wives have a strange God affected the entire nation. It brought them all down. They all started saying, oh, well, I guess that's what we should do too. And he says, that's treacherous. You and I know the truth. We ought to live the truth because if not, it affects God's people. Man, 
we need to live an example out there, but we got to guard our example here with God's family too. I'm going to tell you how many times in your household, or as a joke, we've heard the phrase, do what I say, not what I do. Because mom and dad get away with certain things in the house, but they tell the children not to do that. And the children get to a point where they go, something does not equal here. Why do you guys get to do it and we don't get to do it? And you know what the stupid answer is? Well, when you're grown up, you'll be able to do what you want. Well, God help us if we have that attitude in his church. People coming in and trying to live their life and older believers who've been doing it for a while like these priests say, well, you know, I just, you know, do what, you know, you have to follow the rules because you're just a new believer, you know. Me, I've been in this for long enough, eh, whatever. And didn't we talk about a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago where the people said, what a weariness. It's just so much effort to serve God. Man, help us if we get to that point. Okay, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him and teach us in all things. This is several verses. Keep going. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For if he soweth in his flesh, he shall reap of the flesh corruption. Or the flesh reap corruption. But if he sow in the spirit, he shall reap of the, of the spirit, reap life everlasting. Now we love those verses, but look at the context. Keep going. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season if we, uh, we shall reap if we faint not. So he says, listen, do what you ought to do. God's watching. If you live in the flesh, he's gonna, you're going to reap of the flesh. Live in the spirit, you reap of the spirit. Okay, But here's the context. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, but especially them that are of the household of faith. He said, if you're going to live in the spirit, if you're going to live in the flesh, be careful. But if you're going to wind up do, doing something for somebody, being concerned about your example for others, if we're going to lead like we talked about, go back two slides. First verse. Let him that is taught communicate to him that teaches. If we're going to be teachers of God's word and his truth, then by golly, we better worry about those who are the household of faith. I've known a couple people in my life and because I don't have the evangelism gift, some people do, you know who I'm talking about, you've met them, they can share the gospel of Christ with a frog, and it'll get saved. I mean, it's awesome. They just have that way about them. Others who are more pastor-teacher style, that's more me. Um, but I've met a couple of people who are amazing with sharing cold turkey, the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, and they just have this uncanny ability. It's a God-given supernatural gift. But the rest of their life, they live like a clown. I wouldn't want them to teach any of my people or my children, my, anybody in my family, how to live as a Christian because their example was crummy. They had a gift of sharing the gospel. They can get a cold turkey and share Jesus saves and take you right to the verses and pull you right in and get you convicted. But when it came to their everyday life, I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, brother so-and-so, listen, come to church. We'll get you hooked up with a disciple, somebody who lives a life that matches their walk. If you're going to teach, be careful. Okay, go back two slides, uh, forward two slides. As you have opportunity, especially those who are the household of faith. 
That's what God's saying here. He's saying, listen, you folks in Jerusalem, you're dealing treacherously with your brothers. I mean, I can understand maybe the desire to do it with somebody who was out there as a heathen, who was a sinner, who was not part of God's family, but with your own church, with your own children of God? Be careful how you live. Okay, what do I got next? The Lord will cut off that man that doeth this. And I like this phrase, the master and the scholar. Again, all about knowledge. How many of us know lots of people who can answer biblical trivia? Like I said, I'll watch the Discovery Channel and hear someone who is a doctor of theology who doesn't even believe Jesus is Lord. A lot of people got a lot of head knowledge, can speak a lot of good words about religion and Bible, but they don't have the life to match. You see how God keeps doubling down on this issue. Your words and the things you say better match the way you walk, or it's treacherous, it's disgusting. Poop on the face. It's not about doing knowledge, it's about what you're doing. Now, I want you to notice this is not a verse about loss of salvation. He says, uh, verse 12, I mean, uh, yeah, verse 12, the Lord will cut off that man that doeth this, the master or the scholar, out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offereth offerings to the Lord of hosts. This is about broken fellowship. Doesn't say you're kicked out of the children of Israel. Doesn't say you're never going to be a part of the family anymore. It just says, listen, you're not going to be able to be uh, in good fellowship with God to offer offerings and spend time in the tabernacle with God in fellowship. Remember, the tabernacle is us because this is where God dwells. God says, are you going to live that kind of life? Go be out there until you get it right and come back in. And how many times have we talked about you have a little tiff with a spouse or a friend or a family member, and until you get that right, you can't really be in a relationship. That's what this is talking about. This is not saying you're going to be kicked out of heaven. You'll never be right with God again. You're, you know, this is about a relationship with God. He says, don't expect to come to the tabernacle. Don't expect to be able to come and offer offerings if this is the way you're going to be living your life because you disgust me. Okay? Uh, now, do I have another slide? Yes, I do. When you love God, you love people. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. He starts out, don't deal tre- treacherously with one another, with your brothers. Don't hide things. You better match your walk with your talk. Now, I told you I was going to go there. Um, I wrote this in. This isn't part of the slides. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, and then we'll be done. In regards to the same thing, as priests, we are ministers. We're supposed to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to understand, if God loved us, us, you, me, God loved us. I don't know about you, but I know me. I'm pretty unlovable. I don't deserve God's love, but he still loved us. And he's allowed us to be part of his ministry. So he says, go out there and deliver the message, but don't fake it. You know the covenant. You know how you ought to act. If you're going to say you're one of mine, then act like one of mine and share the truth. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Sorry, I'm yakking and not flipping. 
1 Timothy chapter 5. And again, I'm not going to teach this because Dan will get there in a little while, but just listen to verses 19 through 21 and see if this sounds familiar when it comes to what we just read and what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Against an elder, receive not an accusation. So he's talking about those who are in leadership in God's family, just like we're talking about the priests in Malachi. So he says, listen, don't receive an elder, but before two or uh, three witnesses. So this is important that if you're going to you know, make, make accusations, make sure you follow the guidelines. But look what it says. Them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. Now you hear what God, God in Malachi is just basically you know, filleting the priests in front of everybody. Saying, you guys ain't doing it. I'm just making it clear to everybody because you all need to realize last week we talked about the fear of the Lord. So you know what? God says if there's leadership in God's family and the person needs to be called out for something, you call them out so that there's fear. I want to get political again. You know what we've forgotten in our country? to punish crime so it causes fear in other people so they don't commit the same crime. God says, listen, if somebody sinned in leadership, call them out in front of everybody. Why? So nobody else does that. That's what he's telling us. Okay, now there's more to it than that. Dan will teach it when he gets there. Easy. But I want you to understand, he's talking to the leaders, saying if, if you're not living the life you're living, be careful how you approach this. But if there is an issue... Just like in Malachi, God calls it out and said, you priests are screwing up. Now look at this last verse of the one, verse 21, and this is where I want to end. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observeth these things without preferring one another before, uh, preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. God says, listen, I'm telling you this because you guys need to be taking care of each other. And if you remember last week, I closed the book, uh, Malachi, he said to the priests, I have made you contemptible before all the people according as thou have not kept my ways but have been partial in the law. And right here he says, guys, please observe and not preferring one another in partiality. Don't live it halfway. Don't be, cold, uh, don't be mediocre, warm, be hot or cold. Either live it and speak it or don't say anything and just go about your way. God doesn't want hot or cold. Uh, God wants hot or cold. He doesn't want partiality. He wants us all in. So again, Aren't you glad we have the privilege to be all in? Man, I stand up here and sometimes I wonder, Lord, why did you allow this moron to be able to share this book? Because none of us are worthy to come anywhere near his truth. But we have a privilege. So you get to do one thing. Ooh, this is special and I'm going to treat it special, and I'm going to make it as reverent and important in my life as possible, or 
You can look at it and say, I don't care about God's word. I don't care about God. But please, don't treat it partially. Don't treat it halfway. If we're going to be messengers of this book, live it, believe what you say, and act like it. Now, the focus with one thought. I'll set it up. How many of us are priests? How many of us then are messengers? I set it up. Now I knocked it down. Okay. So if that's the case, if we are all priests, thank you, Noah. And we all should be going out and share. If we're all responsible for delivering this message, then go deliver the message. Right here first. And I love hearing it, man. I walk up and down these pews. You may not think I'm paying attention, but I'm good at listening to about three conversations at once. And I hear people talking about God's word and blessings and prayer and prayer requests. And I love when God's people share with one another. And then now that we've gotten our encouragement and our marching orders here at home base, go out into the world and understand as priests we're messengers. Don't just have a word to say. Make your life match it. Then it won't be treacherous. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again. Lord, again, I am in awe often that you have chosen defective beings like us to deliver the message but father that's the best part lord if we were all perfect how could we possibly relate to people who are out in the world who are not father we get to go out there and deliver a message that says god can take someone like me and by his amazing love, do something absolutely special. Father, please help us to represent you the way we ought to. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you want to pass it on. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.